if this enjoyable activity has taken any place that is greater than it should be, it's occupied a place of too great enjoyment, too great of a crutch, too great of a pleasure to cope, then that is a place I think has quickly gotten out of control and become an idol within your life that should only be occupied by really the presence, the pleasure, the joy, the fellowship of Jesus. What's up, everybody? It's JJ. Hey. How y'all doing? Hey, guys. What's up, fam? We are so pumped. Today's episode. This is an interesting one. It's a, say. it's a fun one. You know, and we kind of both like, we didn't talk a lot about it before we're just diving in today. I know. And I think what's cool is if we're being honest, I think we all have struggled maybe with one of these things or we've struggled really judging people for the use of one of these things absolutely right yeah so i think i so today we're talking about drinking nicotine vape weed zen which is a part of nicotine if you can, yeah if you can think about it this way if you can drink it or smoke it we're talking about it right pretty much um Except for like all the like really legal stuff. We're not going there. Yeah. We're not talking maybe recreational or hard drugs. Right. We're talking about like things that are relative legal, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're talking about legal things. Um, all right, guys. So this would be good. You know, we're in the series on red flags and um, it's been really fun. Uh, really quick before we dive in. Patreon. Hey, guys. Come shout us out. No, come join Patreon. We actually have a Patreon exclusive episode coming out soon that you guys actually our patrons voted on. And it's going to be, is there such thing as too fast in Christian dating? Ooh. And uh, yeah, we're going to answer that on the episode. You guys might see a teaser of it. But if you want to hear the whole episode, you're going to have to join Patreon. You can join for as low as $5 a month. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, our goal is to get 300 patrons by the end of September. We're at about... 47 to 50. So we're not quite there. Will you help us make it there? It would be awesome. Uh, we also want to talk about School of Dating really quickly. We're in the middle of this class. It has been amazing. They're in their dating challenge right now. And we launch our next School of Dating program this October. Yes, October. Right in the midst of fall. Hello. And right before cuffing season. Let's talk about it. You actually can schedule to set up a call with JJ. Right, babe? JJ. Yes, I can. <laughs> you can schedule a call with JJ now if you want to find out more about the program. I know some people have heard us talk about it and they're like, what is this? I want to know more, but I don't know about it. Schedule a call with JJ. It's now on the School of Dating website, which is joinschoolofdating.com. And you can see, you can schedule a call with JJ. You can also join the wait list right there on the website, which will help you get the biggest discount uh, that we offer. And we only offer that discount privately to people on our wait list. Okay. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. Good job. We're going to talk Hi. about our, speaking of patrons, we do this Patreon exclusive question. So we take a question from the patrons on their specific dating life. Today's question is from Aliana. Let's listen and get into it. Hi, Kate and JJ. Thank you for offering us the option to ask you questions. Um, I'm coming to ask the question about processing whether you do or do not want to have children while still a single person. Um, the reason I'm asking this question is because sometimes that question is very, very dependent on the person you end up with and what the dynamic is. And I know that there's a level of self-knowledge that is needed to be in a healthy relationship and that often involves knowing what we want in our lives. But for context, I'm still processing if God has called me to a type of ministry that would be very challenging with children. And I'm reading a lot through what Paul says about the gift of being single and having that availability to God. And I'm curious to know also from a biblical perspective, do you think those who are called to childless ministry are also called to singleness for life? And um, yeah, I just love to know some of your thoughts on that and thoughts on how much clarity we should look to have on this question before being in a relationship. Thank you. Okay. Wow. <laughs> what a question. Eliana, you are awesome. First of all, I love how you articulated that question. 
I love your thoughtfulness. Both JJ and I were looking at each other like, she's amazing. Yeah, and I would just say off the bat, first, if you feel that urge, like if you feel that in your spirit, it is so incredibly rare. I would just stop and pause and evaluate. Like this is a very rare phenomena I find happens within men and women. They just have this kind of sense that they are okay without birthing their own children. Now they might have a motherly desire. So for example, we have a friend who she, for some reason, we were talking about it. She's in her mid thirties and she said, you know, I, for some reason, I've always thought I'm going to marry someone with a kid yeah. or kids and I'm okay not birthing my own. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, like having that desire is an awesome thing. And those who are celibate, whether they have a same sex attraction and they just have to commit to celibacy for life or you are heterosexual in nature, but you still have this desire is an amazing thing. Cause in terms of eternity and your time on earth, it does free up a ton of time and resource yeah. that not many other people will have that advantage. I would say, you know, cause you also asked Eliana if it's okay to not desire children, but also desire marriage? Or are people who don't desire children called to only live a single or a single life, celibate life? I would say, you know, I believe truly that if you're called to not have children, it's a like a missional cause, a godly missional cause, that is beautiful. Um, there's a lot of people that don't have the desire for children more out of a selfish reason, okay? And I would say that may be something to be challenged versus, hey, I have a godly missional desire to serve the Lord and having children in that circumstance is going to be very, very difficult. Right. Um, in which case, I think it might be totally fine to be married and to have a childless marriage if you guys have a call and a mission for Christ that is so clear and where God has revealed very clearly to both of you, hey, I want you to just follow me. I'm not calling you to start a family. I think the one that puts it in your heart is the can and can only be God and like God's wish for your life is not wrong, right? So if he's put that desire in your heart and he's calling you to that and he's calling both you and your spouse to that because it would have to be a call for both of you guys, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. The last note I would just say is this also could be a temporary season of celibacy. Like you just genuinely don't have that desire on your heart right now. And we see this all the time change once people get married, once they start building their marriage and relationship, once they maybe see a lot of redemption from their childhood, we definitely see that desires change over time. Yeah. And that includes the desire to have children or don't have children. Right. Very true. So, Eliana, that was a great question. Thank you for asking it. Absolutely. I love that question. So good. Okay. So today's episode, man, I'm so excited because yeah. this is pertinent for your 18 or your 65 years old. Like it really is pertinent for <laughs> the whole spectrum of ages. It really is. So why don't you go ahead and tee up the question and maybe I'll take like a first like foundational answer at it and then we'll get into the specific areas of each one. Yes. So we're talking about in different categories is drinking. Now there's different, I want to say off the bat, there's different levels for each one of these. Yes. And we're going to break it down because I, I want to say off the bat, I do think there are a lot of people that just hear, oh, that person drinks immediately disqualify them. Right. Oh, that person smokes immediately disqualify them. Oh, that person sometimes uses weed immediately disqualifies them. Now, I, I get it. I get where culturally um, and especially Christian culture, we've maybe come to have this conclusion of certain standards and certain very specific rigid lifestyles. But I think especially for me with the drinking one, I see so many people like my non-negotiable deal breakers, if they drink at all, they're done. Like I won't even consider them. So we want to get into that because I do think there's a lot of people that are very strict on some of these things. And we want to like kind of debunk some of that and really share our thoughts. So babe, where do we land at the top here with this subject? It's such a good question. And to set the foundation, the, the first thing we have to address before we talk about is it a red flag? Is it okay? Is it sinful? The first thing we must address is we're not saved by smoking and drinking. Or let me rephrase that. Not smoking and not drinking does not save you. Right. You're only saved 
by accepting Jesus Christ and acknowledging him yes. as Lord and Savior of heart, right? So that is what saves you, yeah. not the abstinence of this behavior. That's true. And then if you get to a place where if you are convicted by what I would call the Holy Spirit, that this behavior or this consumption is not okay, that should be the top priority of your life especially and, as you grow in sanctification on earth. And let's talk about that being a personal conviction from the Holy Spirit within you and or you reading scripture and or you knowing yourself and your life and your tendencies or the generational tendencies of your family and the Holy Spirit revealing something to you on a personal level yes. that de de that then makes you have a personal conviction on this subject right. is very different from oh, um, you know, I'm trying to do this to fit in and I don't want to be judged or I heard this from somebody else. So I have to live that way. Let's be exactly like it has to be a personal conviction because here's the reality. And this is very difficult and has taken a lot of us to accept some behaviors is dipping a sin, right? Is smoking a cigarette a sin. Some behaviors are not scriptural, right? They're, they're out of principle. Right. Which is very difficult. And I think drinking and having a beer, right? There's no scriptural evidence or support or case that says having one beer is sinful. Having a Zen, the Bible doesn't talk about Zen. I don't even know what Zen is. What right? It. it doesn't talk about smoking a cigar. And yet it does give us plenty of scriptures on right? Like drinking in its entirety. Right. Drunkenness, Drunkenness. right? Yeah. Uh, the abuse of any kind of substance right or anything that could be abused in a negative way yeah and so then we have to graduate and say okay maybe there's not a specific scripture for this specific pattern <laughs> or you know tobacco so then we have to ask okay so what are the scriptures that guide us in this area of life and that's exactly just like masturbation right the bible doesn't specifically right? address Very but true. it doesn't mean the bible doesn't have anything to say about masturbation yeah. and one of the best scriptures as you lay the foundation of your way of life what you consume what you interact with how much to what to what degree first corinthians ten twenty three. One of our favorite verses, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful and all things are lawful, but not all things are building you up. Mm -hmm. So that's more like there are some things in life that are quote lawful, but you are brought under their power, right? They alternate your mind. It is an external force that has taken control of your life. And more importantly, my second lens, and what I love to ask people about these kind of questions is, does, does that advance your relationship with God. Very good. Does that glorify God? Yeah. Or has it occupied a place in your heart and life that has taken the place of God? Right. That's good, baby. So that's the foundation that we start off. Yeah. Does this, that's like, woo, that's a really good question. Yeah. We asked that same question in the masturbation episode, because although it's a very different topic, it's also something not explicitly talked about in the Bible. Right. Right. And so it's a gray area, just like Zen is a gray area. Right. Caffeine um, is a great one. A caffeine could be a great one. Wow. You know, does it advance my relationship with God? Really great question for so many things for Netflix, for The Bachelor, if you watch that, for like so many elements. We talked about reality TV the other week. Yeah, I call them gray behaviors in life. Yeah. These are just things that are not explicitly addressed by the Bible, but they are addressed by the Bible mm -hmm. in our heart. So this is a great segue to talk about our first subject. Hey. Drinking. Wait, wait, who am I? I've been drinking. I've been drinking. Oh, wow. That's Beyonce, man. Yeah, it is. She's probably controversial, actually. For so I know. She's Illuminati. <clears throat> wow. Okay, so... Drinking. Let's talk about drinking. Um, I think this is the one, like I said, that people judge people the most on when I, I personally don't think they should as much as they do. Okay. Well, let, let's start off with like coming into drinking. The one thing we have to recognize is we all probably have a bias, like right. a deep that's, bias. That's very true. That's revealed right off the bat. Yes. Especially if we haven't really thought about it extensively or studied it. Yeah. Right. There's, there's a bias based on what you experienced in your family, maybe generational patterns in your family, right. what was modeled in your church community or, again, in your family and community. Uh, there's a lot that goes into especially drinking, I find. So let's start off with the first one, though. Someone who is a social drinker 
And what I mean by that is somebody who has a glass or two of wine, for example. And and there's actually a weird thing here where people are like, you can only drink wine, but you can't drink hard alcohol or, or and I'm like, oh, interesting. But um, let's say just use wine for the example. They drink a glass or two of wine, mainly at social gatherings, at dinner, at a Sabbath yeah. with their friends. And I'm going to be honest, same moi. Okay, say moi. Um, I do drink <laughs> that means a glass that, or two of wine. What is say moi? Oh, that's me. Say moi is that's me. Um, <laughs> I drink a glass or two of wine with my friends socially, with at dinners, especially Sabbath dinners. How often? One to maybe two times a week. Okay. I would say, and some weeks not even. Some weeks not even at all. Right. It's not a super consistent. Right. Every Friday night, you're looking forward to. Exactly. Your glass of froze. Yeah, I, and- I, I truly love the taste of wine. I think it's amazing how wine is created. I think there's a lot of symbolism in the vineyard as well. And, you know, I'm going to take it from Jesus himself who drank wine. Let's be honest. You know, and the thing for me that really shifted is when I saw some of the pastors that I love and respect the most, they drink wine. Again, not excessively or they, they drink. They may have... Um, socially, like a glass of wine or or uh, whiskey. Um, and one of my old pastors, like definitely has wine around a table with friends. And I was like, wow, this is like, when I've seen people that I admire and I'm like, okay, that there's a weird stigma out there, but then I see some of my favorite pastors in the world, not overusing it, of course, and just, this is a social thing and a social gathering in very good moderation without bad intention, I think that's okay. (laughs) Well, it's a good point because if you're 21 to any age above that, especially in the U.S., alcohol is a major consistent ingredient in social gatherings. It's super socially accepted. It's encouraged. It really is a great venue to kind of relax and meet people. Like yeah. if I'm 24, it is going to be probably at 99% of the gatherings that there will be alcohol now, but more so I like kind of what you said, something changed for you when you saw people who you respected spiritually as leaders and pastors yeah. partaking in alcohol in a modified controlled appropriate fashion. Right, but but more importantly, you might have seen it for the first time yeah. in your life where it was just done socially with very little right addiction yeah. seemingly on the on the surface. Yeah, exactly. And and done in uh breaking bread and drinking wine around the table. Right. I think what's cool is in the Bible we see if we went to with a blank slate to the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there are tons of warnings about wine, but there's nothing that forbids alcohol and spirits specifically, Mm. right? Jesus specifically made wine on purpose for the wedding. That was his first miracle. Yeah. Right. With the assumption that what people would drink it. Okay. So there's a condoning there. Paul told, you know, Paul told Timothy to drink wine medicinally. I didn't know that. Okay. So Paul told, uh, told Timothy church leaders, it talks about, I think in, uh, maybe Ephesians, uh, church leaders are not to be enslaved by wine, right? But that also implies something else that moderate use is okay. Just don't become enslaved by it. So there's really, you know, no scriptural case that forbids the consumption of alcohol. Meaning, you know, if you go in totality, I'm totally against alcohol and I don't partake. That is a totally okay and great rule of life, but it is scripturally not clear and more of a principle that you practice right? based off the wisdom, based off what it does for you, based off maybe your childhood, based off maybe what you witnessed. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's funny, though, is that being said, is there's actually a lot of scripture that warns against. Yes, there is. The abuse. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a few of those. Ephesians 5, don't get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the spirit, which is a super awesome verse because he's saying two things right there. 
Fun fact, Wine and Spirits, I got this JP and Becoming Something shout out. They have some great episodes. If you love Heart of Dating, you would love Becoming Something. Be so. I would absolutely supplement every episode. If you want to listen to an even better podcast with people who are even smarter and wiser than us, go listen to JP and Be So. Yeah. He was talking about on this episode with alcohol, actually, that you know when you see the, the Wine and Spirits store, mm. The origin of spirits meant that when people would touch spirits or hard liquor, mm. they would become so different that they were literally possessed by a different spirit. Oh, That's actually the origin. And so contrary to that, Tim Ross has an awesome, awesome sermon from Hope City down in Houston talking about being filled with the spirit, how when you're drunk, you know, off wine or vodka or whatever your liquor of choice might be. You act different. Yeah. You walk different. You talk. To, you are possessed differently. In the same way, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are walking differently. You are yes. talking differently. You are a total alien mm. from your original self. Right. Which is an awesome contrast. Wow. Yeah. Romans fourteen. It is good to, not to drink or anything that causes your brother to stumble. Right. So even in a social setting, if you have a, a friend or a brother or a sister who struggles, there's a warning to don't even partake if it's going to cause someone else to stumble. Mm -hmm. Hosea 4, but beware of the wine for it takes from the understanding of God. Mm. I love it. It's very, very clear. And then maybe the most, one of my favorite ones, people talk about the Proverbs 31 woman all the time. There's actually guidance for the Proverbs 31 man. Hey, I know. where are you at, man? I love, and I, there's so many great nuggets in there for the men, but one of them is it is not fit for Kings to get drunk. Mm. Meaning there, there is just a level of capacity of way in which you walk as a King or sonship in your identity and is not fit to get drunk. Right. So there's tons of warnings throughout the entire Bible. Yeah. So there are a lot of things biblically, especially about drinking, like versus the other subjects we're about to cover today. Right. Like drinking specifically. is covered a lot. But like you said, there's no specific scriptural case that forbids it. That forbids alcohol of any kind in moderate usage. It's like don't I think that comes back to intention. Why are you drinking? Are you drinking to numb out? Are you drinking to feel a certain way? Uh-huh. Or are you drinking because you genuinely like the taste? You are consuming it in moderation right. in a social setting or like at a wedding. Are you a- drinking out of uh, peer pressure? Right. Or out of peer pressure, like coming back to what is your motivation? I think that's a great um, comparison with like be- being drunk versus drunk in the spirit. Like we shouldn't be getting drunk to feel like we might feel if we were drunk in the spirit. Like don't be trying to not like feel some sort of like loosey way like you might feel truly if you were drunk in the spirit yeah you should be going to god and the holy spirit to be feeling that way like if for example a lot of people go to alcohol for numbing out right that's what we know people use it for right it's a a crutch to numb out it's a physical consumption to offset an emotional need right and bankruptcy so instead of going to the holy spirit and really seeking the Lord and getting your needs met in a beautiful spiritual way. Right. You're going to alcohol for the need of, instead of going to God, I just want to not feel it. And I actually just want to feel happy when I don't feel happy right now. I'm going to the substance. So I think that's when we can say, hey, come back to your motivation of why you are drinking. I will be very honest right now that there are times in my life I've gotten drunk Um, I misuse alcohol. Absolutely. Um, there are times where I was concerned for myself like 10 ish or so years ago and was in really bad place in my life. And I am, I had to really take a hard look at myself and why I was drinking and what it was causing in my life. And it was leading to destruction in so many ways. And so I think in drinking, there's three different categories. There is somebody who drinks socially, like we've already discussed. There is somebody who maybe perpetually drinks, they drink maybe more than that one to two times a week. And maybe when they do drink, they kind of almost always opt for that third glass or God forbid that fourth glass. And then you're like, really? Woo. Right. And, um, and then there's somebody who truly has an addiction like that. That second person could be classified as like a, um, uh, what is it called? A, like a, somebody who is a functioning alcoholic, like they can function and they don't need it every single day. But like every time they do have it, they kind of go a little overboard. And then an addict is truly somebody who like this is 
a deep addiction. They cannot live without it. Yeah. Um, I think truly categories two and three, I would really warn against. Yeah. And that's where the intention usually is like there's greater pain deeper inside right for why they're using it's never just about alcohol now i have two questions specifically in a dating context Mm -hmm. you know because i'll be honest i know someone very close to me Mm. and they married an alcoholic yeah and they didn't tell anybody right out of fear that Mm -hmm. their wedding would not be approved and would be paused and stopped if this got out mm, oh that's sad yeah well and because number one they were absolutely right yeah nobody would have supported it would have supported them if they had known that there's an active ongoing addiction right. or even non-active right like even if it's non-active it's kind of like a volcano like you don't have a guarantee that it might not erupt again. If they haven't consistently gone through the steps of yeah, getting free from alcohol. Right, absolutely. But more importantly, at what point should I as a Christian who's evaluating a spouse, a partner, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, look at their alcohol consumption, specifically alcohol, because it's so common, it's really, really easy to spot. It's socially yeah. very, you know, normal to use. What point should I be concerned? Like, is there a good guidance or rule that I can evaluate with? I would say you have to look behaviorally at their patterns and when they are turning to drinking. If they're like, I had a really hard day, I need wine. You know, like that's a very big like girl thing to say. But I would say if that's a consistent pattern that they are turning to and especially if not only that they're hiding it that is a really 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 big red flag yeah that goes for any substance right any substance and if you bring it up to them if you address hey i've been noticing these patterns and i'm just curious about them um it feels a bit concerning to me and i wanted to open that dialogue yeah if their response is complete defense and like not even entertaining a conversation that's a huge red flag as well yeah because usually there is a lot of shame on the other person's side if they do have a problem sometimes well sometimes there's unashamedness sometimes but usually it's shame that turns to blame it's shame that turns to blame no what are you talking about i don't have any issues or like i'm a cool christian like aren't we kind of past that Kind of, but I see people like, with a deeper addiction. Usually there's a lot of shame there. Well, what about like this kind of lightweight addiction where it's like, well, you know, honestly, I'm mature enough in my faith. I've deconstructed a little bit. Like, I honestly think it's okay to have three glasses of wine and be a little bit buzzed and enjoy the wedding that I'm at and have, you know, be dancing and then, you know, have a few glasses well, at I girls night. Like, and it's, is that it's okay. a very consistent pattern in their life? Or is that once in a while? Because yeah. I, I would say that is different for me. Yeah. Then well, if it's once in a while at a wedding, I'm not thrilled about that. But can I say in my life that it hasn't been sometimes <laughs> once in a while? No. Um, very rare in the last few years, just truly. But like, I would be way more concerned if it's very consistent. Yeah. I'll put it this way. I, I do know Christians. I have friends that I, I I include myself in this group. On my spiritual journey as a Christian, there were still times where I drank a beer too much. Right. I had a shot that I should not have. Mm. And I was more tipsy, more buzz, more more drunk than I ever should have been. Right. And I really do think it is something that whether it's a once in a while, once a year, I really do think it kind of reveals spiritually and emotionally where someone is at, right? regardless if it's a pattern. And I think in terms of a red flag and eliminating someone, you can say like, is somebody sinning? Because if they're going to sin, then I can't be with them. Because <laughs> Well, that's quite, <laughs> that's quite the, uh, because the agenda have, I'm right? I'm just saying like, if, you know, truly though, because that, that reveals a lack of something that's lacking maybe spiritually or emotionally. So they're having that extra. Yeah. They're wanting to whatever, fill in the blank. And I would say they are sinning and turning to a substance versus turning to God. And that's what and, sin is, right? right? Turning to anything but God when... And yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And what I, 
but I think I would be more concerned if they're doing that habitually right. and not repenting or not saying, hey, I shouldn't have drank that much last right. night. Right. There's no a thing for me. conscious, like the conscious is seared in that sense right. towards that habit. I would say it the same way as if like I, you witnessed me gossiping with my friends and right. talking badly about and somebody out of venting and that goes into gossip and then it, there's a difference between I do that and the next day or that later that night, I'm like, oh, wow, I feel like that that wasn't really the move. I don't feel good about that. Right. Versus that is a habitual pattern that I am not willing to try to change. Right. And I think there's a difference there. Right. So I would give someone a pass if they were at a wedding and they had three drinks and they were in not the best place spiritually. Um, but that is a very rare circumstance versus the person who does it and is defending it like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think more importantly, when it comes to substance or anything in life, a person who's unapproachable in their pride or arrogance, that is probably the most major red flag you could ever ask for. Yeah. A person who is completely unavailable and unopened to feedback or conversation at least, at the very least, yeah. within the, any humility. You know, just closing the conversation on alcohol specifically and drinking, I do know, and I've seen people like in our Facebook group, for example, who are like, if they drink at all, eliminate them. I said this before, <laughs> but um, I think based on what we shared, like I would encourage those who, that is you, to be more open and get curious with people who are drinking socially. Now, I, I understand that for some of you, there may be a history of alcohol in your family or in people around you, and that for you is just not something you can be around, um, or you've had a history of alcohol yourself, and that's just something that you can't really be around. Mm -hmm. I come from a history of alcohol in my fam familial dynamic, dynamic as well, and that is a very hard thing for me. So I want to like empathize with you if that is you. On the other side, um, I think there are people who just, it has been drilled into them that alcohol is the devil, okay? And it is so sinful and you can't be with somebody who drinks and da 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 And I just think there is a difference between somebody who, when you say somebody who drinks, there's a lot of definitions for that. So please challenge yourself. Because right. What that means. Because, you know, even on JP's episode, <laughs> he goes, you know, last night I was with another minister of God. And we shared a glass of whiskey right? and talked about ministry and God. And I think it glorified God. Right. A hundred percent. So absolutely. in it's entirety to be super clear. You, you can consume alcohol and it very well can be used in ways to even glorify God. Right. In fellowship with family. Right. Like that is totally on limits. On our Sabbath dinners, we definitely have wine at the table. Now, let me ask you this. Can I share a cigar with a brother in Christ? And we talk about life and life principles in the Bible. And we have a deep debate about theology and God's love and a glorify God. I think so. Yeah. Once in a while. Okay. What about C.S. Lewis? Did he do it all the time? I don't really know. Oh, yeah. Him and uh, Tolkien. I didn't really know that. Yeah. They love their pipes. They're like known for their oh, pipes. pipes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I think... There's a lot, I think smoking, especially though that was back in the day, babe, this is a little different now. So sin and glorifying God changes based on where we are as a society. Um, I think the substance has personally got a lot worse. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, so let's, let's clarify though. Smoking is super broad. There's lots of different kinds of smoking. Right. There's a cigarette a week. Yeah. You know, there's a cigar every morning. No, I don't. Why are you laughing? That, that's a lot. Well, I, I know I'm not going to name them, but I know ministers of God who have a cigar or a pipe with every quiet time. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> not much to say on that one. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Okay. Um, you know, there's a difference between tobacco use, like dip every six hours, like my football coaches. Ugh. I just, I can't get over the photos I saw in my health class of what dip does to your mouth. Okay. So well, hey, think about hey, fun fact, we were, you know, uh, in Norway and even girls, 30 year old girls, you know, they do snus, which is like a nicotine pouch, which we'll talk about. Which is like Zin. Is Zin Sin. Is in sin. Is oh, in man. sin. Do you guys know what Zin is? You're going to find out. Right. But, and then um, there's a difference between a blunt, you know, once a week. 
Yeah. From all like those are all varied. Yeah, vape. Do you vape, bro? Oh my gosh, there's so many things out there. Wait, have you ever vaped? Me? Yeah. No, never. Oh, then there's hookah. Oh, and there's hookah. That's the same thing as vaping almost. Have you done hookah? Uh, whoa, ten years ago, I think I inhaled one puff. Okay. So let's talk Maybe about 12 it. 12 years ago. So really, you know, those are all summarized by, you know, there's nicotine and tobacco, which are in a very similar conversation. And then there's marijuana and gummies. Right. Yes. Which and we'll talk about. So I want to talk about cigarettes really quick. Okay. I love, so yeah. Cigarettes, for me, that is a little bit different than some of these other things because cigarettes today are very harmful for you and for others around you. Okay. So there's an element to how it affects your body affects your body and other people around you when i'm drinking when i take one drink of alcohol one sip i'm not harming the person next to me when i smoke one puff i am harming the person next to me with cigarettes uh, so secondhand smoke through secondhand smoke. okay so what about a cigarette in private versus public those are different then you know what i i really think it comes down to why you're using something once again Okay, because so like typically uh, cigarettes are used, okay, for for specific reasons to numb out, to feel a certain way, to feel more relaxed, to get thin. Like there's a lot of reasons people use cigarettes. Right, you know, a model in the appetite, a, right? a model in New York versus a CEO after a board meeting, a youth pastor after a, a stressful. But I'm just gonna say, for me, cigarettes. Someone who smokes cigarettes. If you smoke cigarettes when we met, it would be a deal breaker because I also have incredibly bad asthma. Okay, that that makes sense. Now, what about so personally? But, okay, but also, can I add? Yes. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Um, but also to add, if I saw a pastor smoking cigarettes, I would feel so, a way about that. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll be honest. I think cigarettes get a really bad rap, but it's probably because the nature you see it use. You never see someone having an occasional cigarette with their quiet time or for fun, you know, just on the weekend they were relaxing. You you don't really see a casual cigarette. Well, it's also very addictive, use. so it's very hard to just have like casual cigarette. Right, right. Well, I mean, you could argue the same for a cigar, but you know, they both have to, but your cigarettes are made. The whole point and purpose is that it is like an easy, small, quick hit of nicotine and tobacco for you to have a buzz and <sighs> relax. Right. Imagine like a really quick shot. I don't of, know. And I, I, I gotta say this. I'm yeah. Sorry, baby. I keep interrupting you. I, have to I know you're off. very interruptory today. I'm sorry, baby. Fortunately, I, I really am. I'm very gracious. I, I shouldn't do that. I have so many thoughts that I can't help it. Like, I know. Well, this is supercharged. Well, I'm just, I'm just outing myself here. Okay. Because when I think of cigarettes, I think of how much it deathly affects your body and how many people I know who have died from cigarettes and, um, including family members and, I think about it and I'm like, I can't help but th- see the charred lungs and what it does to you and the <gasps> breathing went back. Like if you smoke a lot and I can't help but think like your body is a temple. Why would you treat your body in that way? Yeah. Just as the same way as I would maybe think of like overeating. Right. Um, but I know that alcohol is not great for your body either. Exactly. So that, like, then I think about that and I'm like, am I contradicting myself by it's, saying, right. you know, alcohol can be really bad. Though I don't think alcohol is going to have the same negative effects by socially drinking as smoking. Right. Well, you know, one pint of ice cream is not great for my body, but it's okay. Ten of them is into, it's an entirely different conversation. Right. Now, this is getting to Revelation 4, where your body is a temple. It's a living, dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Anything against your body, especially that destroys your body, goes against your body on purpose and willfully yeah. done, right? I think unconsciously done. You know, like they didn't know 50 years ago that smoking was bad for them. Right. Right. Like, I, so I just think that is like a different me committing consciously an act against my body that I know goes against it is different than an unconscious and there's not really a way of knowing. Like, yeah, for me, I just personally categorize smoking cigarettes like in a different category than eating a pint of ice cream and having a glass of wine. Right. But uh, listen, I know this is um, maybe new to here um, and it is controversial. I just think by definition, cigarettes, like a cigarette in its entirety, just one of them, is not that bad. 
done in private, no secondhand smoke, like one of them by itself. Okay. I know, I think, you know, I don't know to what effect it affects the body negatively, but I just think by the definition that we're using, right? If it's one, right, but and the cigar, but let's, let's talk, talk, talk about, about cigars. You know, yeah. cigars. People don't realize this because cigars get like a good rap. They're like the gentleman's club. You got the Winston Churchill. You got the classic. Cigars have a hundred times more nicotine and tobacco than a cigar. I also uh, can't even than a stand, cigarette. I can't be around cigars. So oh. if I smoke a cigar, yeah. it is the exact same of me ripping an entire pack of unfiltered cigarettes. Dang, yo, that's rough. It is, but they are like changed my mind on cigars. But they're a cool thing to do. <laughs> I don't know. And no one bastard had a cigar. Have you ever had a cigar? I did. Um probably like when I was in college, my mom had a New Year's Eve party and somebody was smoking a blueberry cigar. Yeah. And I took a puff and I had an asthma attack. Yeah, I mean it and makes sense. Breathe. Did you inhale it? I don't know. I don't know how to smoke things. Like I don't smoke ever, well, so I don't. I don't know how to smoke. Let's put it this way: Did you, or did you like in your mouth? Yet. Okay. No well, that's the difference between, and that's where people get into this debate of, well, puffing a cigar is okay, but inhaling it multiple times and getting like you get buzz off mm. inhaling a cigar. You know, there is a physical effect to it. So what are your thoughts on cigars then? Uh, you see, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. I think the reality is if you're going to draw a line on cigarettes or tobacco and nicotine, it's got to be across the board. You kind of have to have a unified rule for all of them that it's like, is it about the physical buzz and sensation? Is it about the more addictive nature of it? Right? Because then we get into... You know, is it like the quantity of nicotine and tobacco? Because then cigars should be a hundred times worse right, than a cigarette. Others, but it's like more acceptable. Right. So that's if, where like, I you're think. You're not going to see the guy sitting around a fire pit with a whiskey in one hand and a cigarette in the other. Yeah. And I think <laughs> cigarettes get the worst rap because they smell awful. Cigars smell Cigar? bad. Yeah, cigarettes smell even worse. So that, But so if bad. a cigarette doesn't have tobacco and doesn't smell, do you know what it is? It's vaping. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, <laughs> so do you see what I mean? How, it quickly is like a, just a minefield of a just a mess of, okay, this is okay and this is not. They've also, yeah, it is. It's you know, I think I come back to, you know, socially, like this is really changing my mind on smoking because I was just like really not, I'm not a fan of smoke at all. Because um, of the smell of it or because of the the principle of it? Both, because of what it does to your body, what it does to the person inhaling it next second hand and the smell, like all of that and the addictive qualities and nature of it. Yeah. But um, all of those things, I've just like always been like, Ugh. like, and right. also let's talk about dating for a second. If somebody was consistently smoking cigars, if you were, I would not kiss you like hands down. Yeah. If my mouth smelled like disgusting. cigar, that would be totally okay. Right. Like that would be a non-negotiable for me. Sorry. It'd probably be a deal breaker if you consistently smoke cigars. Okay. I think that's a little dramatic because I know plenty of guys who do it know, and it's socially okay me, and cool. I just have a really strong sense of smell and really bad asthma. That makes sense as a personal <laughs> health so preference for you. But it's not necessarily, I think where it gets into the, right, there's like a physical element, like I have asthma, it's bad for your, you know, bad for me, bad for people. But more importantly, because this is where, you know, listen, I'll be honest, and this is kind of like a fun part of the episode. If you don't know what Zen is, in the South, there is dip, right, tobacco dip. And that's a nicotine and tobacco pouch or a loose strain of tobacco that you put in your upper or bottom lift, or sometimes people do the double deckers, and sometimes people spit out the liquid or they swallow it. I know they're both gross, but <laughs> but they get that physical tobacco and nicotine sensation like a cigar or cigarette or vape. Okay, now they have they have elevated from this just like a vape took out the tobacco, so did Zin or snus if you're in Scandinavia. And this is a nicotine pouch that goes into your upper lip or bottom lip. And I'll be completely honest, just like the cool guy that you saw doing a cigar or cigarette, the pastor that you know that does cigars on Friday nights with the boys and it's celebrated, I did Zen. I did Zen. I, did zen. I, I use Zen as a substance during work and during recreational activities like golfing 
as a way to relax and enjoy the experience during work. It actually helped me focus to a degree, like a stimulant. You're trying to make your case. No, no, no. And then I would use it, my third use case, because I just want to be honest with everyone. Mm -hmm. My third use case is I would use it late at night when I was driving 10, 11 midnight where I didn't want to have a stimulant like caffeine, and I used it to stay awake. Mm. So. I found out what this stuff was, never heard of this before, and I was so grossed out that he puts this in his gum because it it is not good for your gums. It is not good you for research, your mouth. You researched yeah, that? I have looked it up. And <laughs> okay. I was disgusted and I was like, no, like I am not okay with this. And I asked you to stop. But that being said, and guess what I did? Like a good little boy, I obeyed my mommy. No, That's I'm kidding. So As a, no, I'm kidding. As a way to honor my partner, I agreed and the next day I stopped and that's something that's also important because I, I think if something has control over you, it's very hard to stop. Yeah. Right. It's very hard to stop a habit that has control over you. Right. You know, thing, people don't want to talk about it, but I mean, for me, I'll be blunt. Nicotine and caffeine are in the same conversation. Interesting. Absolutely. Like they are both stimulants. They both physically affect your body. Uh, affect your focus, affect your buzz, affect your way of life. Mm -hmm. And people like to demonize nicotine, especially because of the addictive nature, but they don't want to talk about their caffeine addiction. You literally have withdrawals when you hear about these people going off caffeine. Right. They have headaches. Right. Their body is reacting saying, I don't like this. I'm used to this feeling. I'm not mad about what you're saying. I just can't get down with something in your mouth that's bad for your mouth and me kissing you. Sorry. <laughs> okay see that's kind of a hard argument to go against guys anyway that was that was on smoking and nicotine i have a little bit of a of a different take but listen you have to have a kind of rule of thumb or law here a way of life or else it gets really messy really fast and for me that's hey if this thing is taking like an addictive external control of your heart and more importantly is a consistent crutch for you to emotionally and spiritually lean on for physical altering or feeling of your mind for me it's it's off limits like that is a conversation where holy spirit has to be super sober and relevant in your life and able to speak into really any stimulant in your life is what i would be honest on right yeah yeah so with that being said let's talk about weed hey that ganja which we live in California. It's legal in the state of California. It's not legal in some states that you might be listening to. You know, it's very common now in California for that to be even used among Christians. And so yeah. I think we also have to talk about with weed, there are differences. There are people who smoke or take gummies for medicinal reasons. And there are people who then smoke recreationally or socially. And then there are people who have like a borderline addiction, like they are the quote unquote pothead. Like I have to do this every single night, you know? And right. so, um, and that one is personal for me. A long, long time ago, I had a boyfriend that had, that like was a pothead and he constantly lied about it. So that one's really tough. Right. But um, I think those three things are maybe a little different. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be upfront. I've always had stigmas against weed as well because- I, I anything with smoking for me is like off limits and I just bleh, I think it's gross um, but as we were talking about this and like other things that have come up for me in the last few years I have thought like a little bit differently on it but I want to hear what you have to say well back to our foundation smoking weed or not smoking weed does not save you yeah. and, and that is probably the biggest thing but I do think if you find a Christian who is smoking weed I would have tons of doubt about their spiritual maturity and where they're at. Hmm. Like if, if my smoking weed recreationally, like socially, yeah, recreationally or weed, like very consistently. I, well, I think very consistently is recreationally. Oh, okay. So I mean, smoking weed socially or smoking weed, like consistently. What's the difference? Socially, like same with drinking my friends and I, Oh, once I, a week, I'll be honest. Other than medicinal use which I think there is a great use case for medicinal yeah. marijuana that has been proven. Yeah. And it is, it is a great thing. Um, and I'm just like, I'm absolutely okay with that within right. the confines of medicinal use. Yeah, I am too. Anything sure. outside of that. I, I do think that, listen, you can take, um, a shot of tequila 
I'm not encouraging that. You can drink a beer or have a glass of wine socially at a table, breaking bread, having fellowship, and not get drunk. You can't smoke a fat blunt and not get high. Right. So there is no kind of partial use case, really. Yeah, I where your where your body is not reacting. There's where your body isn't being right responding and changing and right. Some way. You know, for me, it's really clear. Like, weed and partaking in alcohol are very different things, mm. primarily because of the physical effect and I think spiritual nature. And what we always confuse is we just like to compartmentalize. This is just a physical act. Um, we really underestimate the f- spiritual implication. Right, that's true. Right, like sex is maybe one of the greatest examples. It can very easily be reduced to the physical sensation, the orgasm, the pleasure, why that's not okay. But the spiritual reality, especially the covenantal reality of what you're doing and partaking in is yeah. you're playing with a spiritual super fire, right, that has a ability to wreck absolute havoc within us. Yes. So it's the same thing spiritually and all these kind of, you know, things that we're talking about, the partaking, the physical, we can't just say it's physical because it's not. And I think with weed specifically, it is, there is another element, kind of like drunkenness, where spiritually the ramifications and what we open ourselves up it up to is a different spirit. Yeah. A spirit of the enemy. I, I genuinely think that to a degree, um, you know, that's why I think drug use and potent, the more, dr- the, more the more potent the drug use for me, I, I do think the spiritual implications are so much greater. Caffeine sp- like physically stimulates you, but not in the same way of heroin. Right. And I really think that the the compromise of the brain and the, the spiritual compromise is different. Right. I agree. So to be blunt pun intended <laughs> we're not necessarily fans um of weed and i would no say we're not I, we're not fans we're not fans i'm yeah we're not fans of weed unless used medicinally and personally yeah, again i think everyone here on this episode listening needs to figure out their own convictions in these categories versus just doing and saying what kate and jj told you to do but i would personally see that as a really big red flag and a deal breaker if somebody consistently used weed unless it was for medicinal reasons yeah i i just i don't see it's the same with drunkenness i i just don't see how a disciple an ambassador of christ can partake in this uh, as a way of whatever you want to call it, like joy, pleasure, coping, escape. I just, I don't think there is any emotional, spiritual case where it is okay at all. And yet there's still going to be Christians who do it. Yeah. Who have to grow. I think that is like the definition. I have a Christian in front of me. They're smoking weed. I just think spiritually they are revealing so much about where they are at and their walk with God. Yeah, right. I completely agree. Like smoking weed, not smoking, it doesn't save you, but I think it reveals a lot about where you are in your life. Just like drinking a little too much to feel a certain way. Exactly. Exactly. So I think by far and away, the biggest takeaway, especially when it comes to evaluating somebody else, and I think if you're human here, like there is probably one of those substances that we just listed that maybe speaks to you individually, all the way from... Caffeine use, yes. Yes. To alcohol, zen, tobacco use, you know, with the cigar with the homies, or cigarettes. Or weed. Or weed. And the biggest question is motivation. What is the motivation of your heart? You know, it's the same thing with tattoos. Like, it's not necessarily bad or good. It it just completely depends on your motivation and yeah. your use case. Why? Yeah. Why do you feel the need? What is it advancing in your life? Is it to numb out? Is it to enjoy a meal with a friend and, and you genuinely want a fellowship? Is it because you're curbing your appetite because you have a, a problem with your weight and your image, yeah. right? Uh, why are you smoking cigars? Is it social or is it you know, really, if you're being honest behind the, behind the scenes, you love that buzz. You love that sensation. You right. kind of like that escape after a very long day. It helps relax and unwind you just like a huge red glass of wine. Yeah. You know, I had to ask myself, why am I using Zen? And can I not do these activities without Zen? Can I find another way to stay up? Do I have to have a Zen to enjoy my outing at the golf course? Is it not good enough for me to just enjoy and fellowship with God in that moment? Did I secretly 
enjoy that buzz it gave me a little too much and are or are you peer pressure because i know people have peer pressure deal on the golf course to do zin with them <laughs> you know i've come back to kate every time i say no i'm like kind of bragging a little bit it is my ego and pride but um you know for me for example i've had to learn and this is a good lesson of partnership and honoring your spouse and your promises jesus in the greatest sermon ever told in matthew 5 says be so honest with your commitments and word that you don't have to swear on a book of bibles you don't have to promise anything extra or i I really really promise let your yes be so much of a yes that you can just say yes and it is believed. Yeah. So for me and Kate, hey, even though it's a little thing and I promise you and I could easily break it and one, she would never know. And two, I, I really don't feel like it has any consequence. Yeah. Right. Yes. And until I, you know, we align, I'm not going to do Zen. So, okay, you ready? The reality of life is this. En- enjoyment does not inherently make things wrong. But this is a fact of life. Enjoyable things can very quickly become more than enjoyable things. Yeah. Enjoyable things can very quickly, if they're not guarded, if they're not disciplined, if they're not submitted, if you're not sober and you're not involving the Holy Spirit, football, zen, a beer with the boys. These are all things that can be enjoyable and okay. But if this enjoyable activity has taken any place that is greater than it should be, it's occupied a place of too great enjoyment, too great of a crutch, too great of a pleasure to cope, then that is a place I think has quickly gotten out of control and become an idol within your life that should only be occupied by really the presence, the pleasure, the joy, the fellowship of Jesus and consequently. Amen, babe. Amen. So, yeah. What an interesting episode. I know. I love this one. It was really interesting. You know, even I was challenged for sure because I've had a lot of judgments with people who smoke of any kind. Um, And so that was, it was good. It was interesting. It challenged me a bit in different ways. I really appreciated that. Well, I'm challenged too. You know, it it really, especially I would say the biggest challenge for me, if I was being honest, there were times in life where I called myself a Christian and on Friday nights at a wedding, at a bachelor party, I wasn't acting very Christian, right? And I was, and I was drinking too much, mm-hmm. and I, and I had four or five beers, and I should have had two, right? And I was succumbing to peer pressure. Yeah, I've done that too, you know, right? And I was, I was, I was for a lot of reasons. I value pleasure and fun more than I value glorifying God. Yeah. So I, I, I and I think that when it comes to that last thing is like. Because I was in a community once back in the day where everyone was doing that. We were going to our Christian parties at Christmas and different things, and there was alcohol, and everyone was drinking. It was all the people I saw at church and in my community group, and we were all there. People would have a little too much to drink, and then people would kind of get handsy with each other or make out with somebody there. Yeah. And the next day, we'd all show up at church. Yeah. And slowly but surely, I was like, nobody's keeping each other accountable while I was just saying, Oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Oh, me neither. Okay, we'll be better next time. But not actually. And I think that's where I ended up, like, not stop going to some of those events and things. Because I was like, that's not good for me. And that's not what I want to be doing. Yeah. And I want to... I want to cultivate a deeper environment of accountability um, as well. Yeah. The reality of life as you are a Christian, you should be growing. And if you are growing, you should be becoming more sanctified, yeah. pursuing holiness, not as a means to redeem yourself more or make yourself more righteous with God. It's, I, I crave God so much. I crave fellowship with him. I crave to glorify him. I crave to be with him so much that I know that this pattern, this sin in my life is destroying that union and fellowship. Yeah. And I'll, I will eradicate anything, any sin, any habit that is getting in between me and God. Because yeah. I, I love him so much. I want to be with him so much, and and I can't ignore the Holy Spirit on this. So good. Okay. We love you guys. Hopefully, that was a great episode for you or the person that you are evaluating. This is a great point to send it to him, and and maybe you have some feedback. I don't know. Maybe you have some good conversation. Maybe you and the boys. Even in your friend group, you guys. This is a great episode for your friend group. Yeah. You and you Zen boys, you know, who've been using it undercover. girls. I wish a friend would have challenged me about it instead of just saying, oh, yeah, you're you're good. Yeah. So we love you guys. Have a wonderful day. And this is the Heart of Dating Podcast. Podcast. Let's go. Bye.
The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate and JJ Tomlin. Shout out to our epic audio and video editor, Scott Caro. We have an amazing Heart of Dating team who helps bring the show to you each week. I want to shout out Kelsey Napier, our Heart of Dating digital marketing coordinator, and Elena Gibson, our brand and community manager. We couldn't do it without them. Now, if you guys have never ranked us or reviewed us on iTunes or Spotify, would you consider doing that? It would mean so much because our podcast can get more discovered and more people can learn how to better date as Christians. Don't we all want that? We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we will see you next week.